everybody. Thank you very much for tuning into the Lay Yoga podcast. Lay Yoga, helping you overcome anxiety through the power of classical Hatha Yoga, enabling you to be calmer, joyful and stronger out there in the wild, wild west that we call society. Um, only kidding, it's only like the wild west at times. Um, really fascinating episode for you today. I had a, a really nice chat with um, a very knowledgeable lady, uh, a family therapist by the name of Jodie Eamon, um, who's also a TEDx speaker and a published author as well. Um, and essentially, um, she's been a therapist for over 20 years and she shows people how to create practical miracles in the most difficult times. She teaches Gen Z, their parents, and help us how to find their diamond confidence so they feel worthy, empowered and in control. Um, as an anxiety survivor herself and a mum of teens, she uh, completely, completely gets it. Um, and we delve into her thoughts around uh, what causes a lot of these issues in teens nowadays, because things are rapidly changing and have changed from the previous generations. Um, and more importantly, what can we actually do about it? You know, that's what people really want. Um, so, yeah, really, really nice chat, really um, enjoyed chatting to Jody, and I really hope you enjoy listening to the podcast. Um, if you have just come across us, then please, um, you can absolutely give us a follow on um, Instagram at layer underscore yoga seven. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, TikTok at uh, layer yoga, and you can find us on um, YouTube at The Layer Yoga Journey and of course the website layeryoga.yoga. Uh, but that is quite enough from me. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. So without further ado, this is Jodie Eamon. Hello Jodie, how are you doing? You okay? Yes, thanks. Great stuff, great stuff. As we were discussing off air, it's obviously interesting times at the minute, but um, today's show is all about solutions as opposed to uh, the many, many problems that are out there. So, um, as I said, thank you very much for making the time to come on. Um, obviously, you know, we, we talk about well-being on this podcast. Um, so anything to do with that and anything that's offering a solution is of interest to myself and um, the lovely people that come across this podcast in internet land. Um, so over to you, uh, really, Jodie. Do you want to just give us a little bit of um, a bit of background story to yourself? Yeah, so uh, I was, um, I've been a psychotherapist or a family therapist for 25 years. And I think I got into that because, you know, I was dealing with my own mental health crisis when I was, a, when I was really young and when I was a teenager. It was quite intense. And so uh, I, you know, I, I found a lot of healing through connecting with people or listening to other people's journeys. And so I think that's what got me here in the first place. But over this time, I've worked with families, kids, teenagers, and I've really seen a change in these 25 years. And so this is my reflection. You know, I, I wrote this book as my reflection of what's going on and what we could do about it. Great. Sorry. What's the uh, what's the name of the book? Sorry about that. It's um, Anxiety, I'm So Done With You, A Teen's Guide to Ditching Toxic Stress and Hardwiring Your Brain for Happiness. It's a mouthful there. 
Yeah, it's um, again very, very um, relevant and expanding subject. Really, you know, teen anxiety, child anxiety, child suicide. That's something that's uh, that seems to be increasing. It's really, really increasing, and and you know, people are wondering why. I mean, we're all looking at maybe it's about our phones. I think that's a huge part of it. Actually, I did my TEDx Wilmington talk. So if you looked up Jody Eamon and TEDx, you'll mm. find my talk where I really I go into why the phone is causing us to have more and more anxiety all ages but especially the young people because they're on it a little bit more and they've been on it from a younger age yeah yeah but well this is it I uh, I managed to uh, watch the talk and uh, you touched on comparison and and these types of things so um, I mean very very quickly for the concerned parents and maybe concerned teenagers who might tune into this do you want to just give us an overview of uh, your take on how the phone is impacting teenage brains and uh, why it's possibly leading to this, uh, you know, pl- well, contributing to this uh, plague of anxiety that we're seeing? Sure. I mean, what the, the one I speak on the most is the, what the content's doing. So we're, we're not really, you know, there's the interpersonal thing. They're not around people as much. They're on the phone a little bit more. They're consuming content, so they're getting used to this passive way of being and they're losing touch with like their skills and their abilities like their life skills because we've also gotten away with we've gotten away from a lot of our life skills that we use in regular life like we do less chores we do we you know we get takeout all the time we um people clean our house people do our chores you know kids are so busy with all their activities that they're expected to do less things around the house and then they get stressed out or they get anxious and the parents take away those uh anything that might cause them stress so this is these are the three things i outlined this content is one is comparison you know you're comparing yourself to what you see online and social media and everyone everyone you're comparing the mess of your you're the back your backstage to everyone's highlight reel you know you 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 see your mess but when you look online you see people's perfect times like the, the highlights and so um and so that makes us disconnect like we think that they just are happy or they're just perfect or beautiful or whatever that you don't realize all that they put in to getting that picture or all the mess in between so that's one is the comparison and we lose touch with like cause and effect because of that. And then the second is, uh, you know, seeing so much violence on our screens right away. Like we're just 24 hour news cycle to see nowadays. Obviously it's like, it, it's just, we're so close to all the violence all over the world. And we used to be able to um, you know, we were in like the way our brain is developed, our fight or flight, but we we're supposed to be in the situation. We could do something about it. Now we're in our couches and chairs and nothing to do, you know, but just get really anxious. And then the third one, this is a bit more harder for people to understand, I think, but this is what I really noticed in these 25 years working with kids is that this commercialism that the commercials are everywhere in everything that we do and see, you know, because no one's watching commercials anymore. So they're all inside and embedded in everything that we do. And so they're all the messages are like, you should just get this product because it's really cool. 
And I think that does something with that message so constant, it becomes a bit of a truth. And so we think that we should just get stuck. We do, again, we're not learning cause and effect, what brings it, what we have to do to get something. And I think that's really messing with people's minds. It's happening to us at all ages, but for the young people, they've just been, they've had it since they were really little. And so if you've ever been in a grocery store, I don't know if you have with a toddler and they want something, and you, you say no and they scream. Did you ever have that happen? Yeah, well, not not myself, but I've seen it on numerous occasions, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that that child is really actually feeling a sense of like a lack of worth. Like that that rejection actually feels to them in that moment like they're not worthy of having it. And and I think that's that's what's happening at all ages. So with all of these messages, we're, we're feeling increasingly worthless and powerless and out of control, and that's why anxiety is going up, 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 up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think because, and so something, this is, I guess, my take on it as well. Um, I think because um, people, and children particularly, because they're very impressionable, they don't have a conscious framework for the most part to actually manage themselves um it's you know the living life kind of haphazardly if you like and if you don't learn how to handle your your mind body energy and emotions then you know they're, they're going to um if you don't direct them consciously then it's going to generate anxiety because it's like driving a car but not really knowing how to drive if you get what i mean um mm-hmm. And that's where, obviously, you know, the, the name of the podcast is the Layer Yoga Podcast, which obviously gives the game away a bit. Um, but that's where a framework like uh, yoga, certain types of yoga, um, I'm a massive believer that they um, would absolutely, A, help with um, anxiety issues, but also as well, you know, suicides being on the increase. If it's, like I say, it's cause and effect, as you say. If, if people do certain things, then there will be certain effects. That's how life happens, right? Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of um, any other changes that you're seeing, is there anything else that you're really seeing that's you know, shifted from the last 25 years working with families? I think I think parents are so scared of this. You know, their kids are having anxiety. We don't understand what anxiety is, most people. They don't understand what depression is. They still think of it as a medical model that that you know your kid has a mental illness and you have to do something about it, and and they maybe walk on eggshells a little bit. I'm not blaming parents at all because I I think it comes from our culture. But what happens is is if we don't understand what anxiety and depression comes from, then we think that there's this like inherent problem or chemical imbalance or something. And and a lot of mental health professionals are promoting that view which i is it's a completely wrong you know depression and anxiety comes out of our culture it's a cultural problem and if we understood it in the context it came out of then parents really could feel more empowered to do something to help their kids and kids teens kids all ages can help themselves because they don't think oh this is a problem i have to just deal with forever i'm different that just makes them worse you know, that just takes them down, a, you know, more of a, a path that's going to lead them to feeling more and more different. And it's going to make those problems worse and worse over time. 
And so we don't want that at all. It's really not helpful. I do see kids who go into the mental health system, if they go in the mental health system really early, oftentimes it, they veer in a direction. So when you think that you're different, it changes how you see yourself. And over time, everything gets worse. So it's not, and, and people think that, yep, we called it, you know, this is what we expect. No one's looking at the fact that maybe we created that by labeling them when they were young. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So like the, the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Um, mm -hmm. we've, uh, we've attached a story to them. So they, they're now telling themselves that story until it actually becomes truth. Um, exactly. And, and I think you feel more and more isolated, more and more alone, more and more different. And you feel horrible when you're different and alone. Mm, yeah, and I don't, definitely loneliness is one of the key, key uh, issues again of our of our times in the West, certainly. Oh, wow. um, so just in terms of solutions that, that you put forward, um, what are the what are the constructive things and feel free to you know deep dive into this as much as possible and obviously if this knowledge is in the book as well you know we'd urge parents and kids alike to go and pick it up but what are your what are your actionable tips that people can actually take away to uh, to tackle tackle these issues well the first thing is you know you know the first thing is to let people know that anxiety is treatable that, that you can get over it. And I think that's the first obstacle because there's so much discourses out there that you that you just have to manage it and you're going to have this forever and this is a problem. And, you know, it's not your fault. Like, we're trying to take away the stigma, but in a way, it makes people feel more different, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we need... So, so the first thing I tackle in this book, and again, the title is Anxiety, I'm So Done With You. You know, because it's like breaking up with anxiety. That's the metaphor, obviously. Maybe that's obvious. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you're obvious. Um, yeah, so so the first thing I tackle is to really explain why it is absolutely possible to get rid of anxiety completely. And, and it takes, you know, it takes a chapter or two to really deconstruct all these messages that been, has been constructed over time. And, and I think that's the beauty of this book. I think a lot of books on anxiety don't do that. And with my book, I have another book, it's called You One Anxiety Zero. And so that's for all ages. This one's particularly for teenagers, but I think these books stand apart because they deconstruct the power of anxiety. You know, most books teach you skills to calm and you know, those are great and they work. Uh, but there's nothing out there that just takes the power of anxiety down, which, you know, people have skills. They really do. They know what to do. They have skills, but the anxiety is so much power that doesn't come through. So I take the anxiety down and then, you know, go over the skills that they already have to, to bring them out, to breathe life into them. And the book's chock full of activities too. There's actual things that they can do to practice this work easy things not hard not scary uh and so and they work they really really work wonderful yeah i think that's that's a really key point that anxiety isn't something that anyone should live with you know when when you're born you, you're not born anxious you know the most joyful people that we're around are little kids right so mm -hmm. through the course of life things happen and again like i say part of it is 
I'd probably say the smaller part of it is um, external trauma, but the majority of it is that there's no knowledge of how to actually manage yourself. Um, and then, like I say, it becomes a haphazard process and that leads to this type of anxiety. So um, I'm 100% with you on that. There should be no reason to just accept that anxiety is going to be your your uh, you know, your permanent partner, basically. Um, and I think the other point on that as well is that um, a, a large part of anxiety is imagination. Um, you know, the majority of anxieties tend to be about something that may happen. Um, right. And invariably, you know, 97, 98, 99% of those things never come to pass. So exactly. shining a conscious light on that, I think, is, is something that's really important. And this is where, you know, you start getting into things like conscious breathing and things because that makes you more present. Um, but yeah, completely with you. Um, so you aim to bring anxiety down and something that, that I found quite interesting in your uh, TEDx talk was uh, around this concept of doing different types of chores around the house and how that can actually help dial this down. Do you want to just touch on the, the two, three different types of chores and what they actually teach kids as well? Yes, there's tedious chores because, you know, I, I, the TEDx talk is so, so short, I don't, can't really go into this, but, you sure. know, our brain has two jobs. And the two jobs are one, to survive and thrive, obviously. And the other job of our brain is to conserve calories. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, from two million years of hunter and gatherer times, we had to conserve calories to survive. And so that is, it's always working to try to conserve calories. And that's why we get so much resistance to doing things. This is what we don't understand. If you don't know that, you judge that resistance, you put all kinds of meaning around that resistance to do chores or things you don't want to do, but it's actually a biological issue, which we could override. But what happens is young people, you know, have that resistance and then they complain about doing stuff and the parents just think they're lazy or entitled or whatever. Nobody understands it's a biological issue that if we knew what it was, we wouldn't put meaning around it, but we just would override and keep going. So kids who do t tedious chores, that's like emptying the dishwasher, sweeping, those everyday kind of tedious things that we all hate, but we have to do. If you do them regularly, then that resistance goes down because you're used to it. The more familiar and the more used to it is, the more that resistance goes down so your life gets a little bit easier. And then there's, um, then there's challenging chores. So chores that really make you use your problem solving, really make you use that prefrontal cortex to figure things out. Because this is how you build your confidence and build your connection with your skills that you have in life. And then there's generous chores. It's like doing things for other people and learning your place in the world. This gives people a sense of belonging and a sense of really understanding and have compassion for others and a sense of purpose. Now, every single happiness study there is around the world, on the top of the list is a sense of purpose. And so we need to have those things in our life and, and they're largely absent in a way. I mean, you know, the parents do the tedious chores because the kids are off at practice or whatever. You know, so might as well just get it done instead of waiting a couple hours so the kids can do it. I'm, I'm there myself. I do the same thing myself, but, um, but yeah, but then, so you, so they haven't done the dishwasher for weeks or something, and then you ask them to do it, and what happens? Big complaints, because they're not, you know, they're not used to doing it every day. If they did it every day, it would go down. And when they're adults, 
life is so much easier when you're used to doing hard things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, having an element of discipline and an element of resilience is something that kids definitely need to have, and then they need to uh, expand on that as they go through life because you know that those are those are really two key traits, aren't they? If you're not resilient and if you're not disciplined, then again you're just going to live a very uh, haphazard life, which will invariably lead to a bunch of problems. Um, now, in terms of raising um, self-confidence, you recommend chores and building up these these types of uh, regular activities. Is there anything else at all that you... Uh, yeah, and of course, I don't, you know, in the book is for teenagers and parents could read it. There's a parent's resource in the back. And actually, I think it would be great for parents to read the whole book. Mm-hmm. But the book speaks in teenage, I hope, what I hope is teenage boys and to them. And so obviously, I'm not saying do chores because <laughs> they're like going to close it and put it away. But yeah, I, I really, you know, I encourage them. There is a video that uh, I refer to in the book with Will Smith, and he talks about his dad making him build a wall when he was young. Yes. And after him yes. and his brother built that wall, he has a really, it's amazing. And they, he, the dad said, don't ever think that you can't do anything. Like, we need to do that stuff. And so it, it you know, when they see the benefit for themselves, they can understand why these things are important. So I'm trying to get that intrinsic motivation up having them see so that first part of the brain that wants to survive and thrive knows that this is a thing worth doing and so if i if i appeal to that part then maybe they could step into it more if they understood that resistance and didn't think they were lazy or didn't feel oppressed you know when we have that resistance come up for those these rules or chores or whatever then we feel oppressed by it and so i really explain it in a way i think that they could hear for the first time I think people are just saying you're lazy and you're, you know, you're unmotivated. And it's like, let's just really tell them what's going on so that they can do something about it. I, I hope it, um, I hope it really shines a light in a different way than anyone else has. Yeah, no, no. Well, it's, it certainly sounds uh, different to a lot of what else is out there. And just on that Will Smith story, I, I remember reading that about 20 years ago. Um, and for, for anyone who's listening to this who hasn't heard the story, Will Smith um, was told by his dad, who I think was in the military, that during the course of a summer holiday, he had to build a, a big wall at the front or around the house. Um, and he obviously wasn't too happy about that, but he managed to get it done after weeks and weeks. Um, and as you said, his father said to him, you know, now that you've accomplished that, don't tell me that you can't accomplish anything that you put your mind to. And he's not done badly, has he? No, it's definitely, like, it's, it's great, you know, really great. And, and you know, sometimes we, we hear all the time that we put so much pressure on kids and there's like a false sense of pressure or something, you know, like we have all these cultural expectations to be perfect and young and pretty and cute and cool and all that. Like those are pressures that we do have on ourselves or to get the best grades. And so parent, we're very confused. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. our, we, we have to push our kids a little bit. We have to scale back. I mean, it's really difficult in this culture. And what's interesting is, you know, kids are called entitled, but they've never been so, feel so inadequate, right? So kids today feel so inadequate and out of control, yet everyone's calling them entitled. There's a, such a paradox there. And, and that's, I think, from that culture of 
you know, we're not in touch with that cause and effect, understanding that we do something to get something, to get results. And so we have to go back to the drawing board. That's why there's pressure because we have to get results and we don't even know we have to do something, you see? And so we take things off their plates to decrease their pressure. And then, then what do they have? <laughs> they still mm -hmm. don't build skills. And so I think we have to really see the problem in a different way. And then we could go forward. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, we have to look at it in an, in a more evolved way. And just thinking back to my, my sort of childhood and teenage years, um, something that helped me build confidence um, in my capabilities myself was sports, not that I was particularly good at them. Um, but just through that process of, you know, because I, I came to sports quite late. Um, my, my father was uh, always um, working basically, you know, he ran his own shop. So it was, it was a, a full-time commitment and then some. So, um, you know, those types of activities weren't something that, that really came to me until I became a teenager and started hanging around with other guys. Um, so I was quite behind the curve. Um, but then, you know, I, I put some concerted effort into it because I didn't want to be at the back of the pack. And when I came back at the um, at the start of the new school year, suddenly I was able to throw the ball far, and I was able to, you know, at least give a good account of myself. So I think stuff like that is is very very important, an opportunity to actually build that self worth um, and see a progression from, you know, hardly being able to throw a ball ten yards to being able to throw it fifty yards. Small thing, but psychologically, um, I remember right. stuff like. It, it definitely has an impact and I think you know this this culture now of you know giving eighth ninth and tenth place prizes and, and that type of stuff I'm not you know I'm I wouldn't say I'm old school but I'm definitely not into that you know there, there's a winner and a loser and if you you know if you lose then actually as long as you give them a hundred percent it doesn't matter as much but you got to try to win right um, and that's just, you know, that's just the reality of life in general, right? Um, so, again, I think it's something to be careful with because, you know, you don't want to take it to one extreme and crush kids with too much expectation, too much pressure, but you've got to certainly be able to give them the basic tools to be able to handle that because, you know, there's a lot more of it coming as, as they progress through life, right? Um, so... That's my two cents worth on it. Um, is there any other any other thoughts that you wanted to put out there, um, and just any any other truth that that any other personal truth that you wanted to speak? Yeah, I think the biggest message is to let kids know that it doesn't always have to be like this. If they're struggling, it does not always have to be like this, and it is you can definitely get better, and you are so much more powerful and have so much more potential and you're so much more able than you might see right now and come get this book so i could show you what i mean and, and, and um and so that you could feel happier i think a lot of a lot of adults tell kids what is wrong this is the best time of your life and i think that's the worst thing to tell <laughs> teenagers because it's not it's a hard time in their life it's a really hard time it's ridiculous to say that this is the best time because it does get better so let's stop saying that. Let's tell everyone it could get better. You know, let me teach you how uh, life could get just better and better. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the amount of times that, 
myself and friends have looked back on old pictures and you think, you know what, I look quite good. What was I worried about? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, absolutely. Now, just as a uh, as a closing thought, I'm uh, I'm a big music lover and I love um, exploring and discovering new types of music. Um, so I just wanted to ask, um, a do you listen to music? And if you do, would you be able to give me and our listeners a uh, a musical recommendation, whether it's a song or an artist? Uh, yes, I, I get this question a lot, and I, I, I'm not a huge music listener. And, and that's not that I don't love it, I totally love it. I just have an audio issue, um, and so I can't have music in the background while I'm doing anything else. I can't concentrate. So if I listen to music, that's all I'm doing, and I'm never doing one thing. So unless I'm meditating, so I love like Diva Primel and you know meditation music, enchanting um, mm-hmm. music actually in, in Kirtan. So great. Um, so I don't. Yeah. So I hope that's okay. But I'm, absolutely I'm, fine. Absolutely. It's the worst fine. question for me, but you know what? It's, it's surprising actually, but always because because it's that type of thing where you know when someone asks you, oh, what type of music are you into? And you go, oh yeah, I'm into everything. And you think, actually, well, I'm not. You know, I, I really like this, 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 and this. Um, so it does it does tend to stump a lot of people. Yeah. That's fine. Um, like I said, I, I like exploring new music and um, what I do as well. I think this is only for listeners who have the Anchor app. Um, I can I can find that particular song or type of music, and then you know we can ride out to it at the end. So. I will find some lovely meditational chanting that we can uh, we can ride out to. Um, and do you want to just give out your uh, give out your socials and let people know? Yes. Where, uh, so where my name is Jody Amen, J O D I A M A N. So my website's jodyamen.com, and uh, I'm so I'm on Twitter and it's Jody Amen, and then on Instagram it's at Jody Amen Love L O V E at the end. And same on Facebook, Jody Eman Love. And so come hang out with me. I go live on Facebook every Monday at 11 Eastern Standard Time. That's New York City time. And so you can ask me questions. I do live coaching right there. Brilliant. Yeah, that's something that's like 4 p.m. UK time. But yeah, you know what? The, the crazy thing about media is it travels all around the world. You know, I've seen we've got people listening in Uruguay, France, Iran, all over the place. So um, I'll certainly, I'll certainly tune in and uh, see what see what it's about. Um, and yeah, if anyone would like to um, connect to us as well, then um, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Layer Yoga, on Twitter, Layer Yoga. Um, LinkedIn, also Leia Yoga, um, Instagram, Leia underscore Yoga 7, and uh, TikTok, Leia Yoga, and YouTube, The Leia Yoga Journey. Um, once again, Jody, thank you so much for coming on and uh, having a chat. Um, and to all the listeners who uh, do come across this, thank you very much for tuning into the Leia Yoga podcast, helping you overcome anxiety through the power of classical Hatha Yoga helping you to be calmer, joyful and stronger out in society. Thanks a lot and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.